Welcome to Coffee Pods, a 15-minute coffee-length look at one of the difficult issues around the Christian healing ministry. So plug yourself in, pick up your mug of coffee, and let's go. Good morning and welcome to the second in the series of Acorns uh, Coffee Pods. If you're a returning podrishner, it's great to have you. And if you're a first-time visitor, well, welcome. Today, we're looking at the question of why some people are healed and others not. Uh, And it's a really great uh, question that comes up frequently in the healing ministry. The temptation for some is to rationalize the question away so as to try and sort of defend God. Um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon is credited with the quotation that the gospel is like a caged lion. You don't have to defend it, just let it out of the cage. And likewise, in relation to the healing ministry, God doesn't really need defending. He can look after himself. So I always approach the question from the point of view of compassion rather than of intellectual argument, because very often the person who asks the question has a story in mind, has a loved one in their thoughts. There may well be some uh, sorrow and sadness attached to this. And even as you're listening to this today, that might be true for you. So all those who've written about the healing ministry, Morris Maddox, John Wimber, Francis Mudnut, many others, have all come up with some possibilities. And so what I've done is I've sort of drawn them sort of all together. And you won't be surprised that in ACORN, we've also been able to add a few of our own. Can I start by saying that we do believe that it's God's normative will that people are healed? Yet we don't see them all and we understand that. But if we start from that position, it helps us to navigate our way through. One of the reasons might be a lack of faith. And that's very often something that some uh, church streams have said to people who haven't been healed. It's your lack of faith. And can I just say that in Acorn, we never do that. And could we ask you never to say that? Interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't do that either. But we can grow in faith and we can ask God to lead us on a journey of faith as we keep praying for people. But of course, one of the other questions is, whose faith? Because Jesus in the gospel heals some people on the basis of his own faith, like the widow of Nain's son in the coffin. Or the faith of the person who's asked for healing, like Jairus for his daughter or the woman with the issue of blood. Or actually, sometimes it's the faith of someone else, the friends who let the man through the roof, the centurion who comes to Jesus, the Syrophoenician woman. So, yes, we think faith is an important ingredient, but it's not just about the person who's in need. One of the answers is that some people aren't healed because maybe it's to do with redemptive suffering. So, for instance, Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, it was because I was ill that I first stopped. And that's how the gospel came to them. And as we dealt with in last week's uh, podcast, uh, the issue of Paul's thorn in the flesh and how that plays out in his life. Another thing is a false value attached to suffering. People will say, this is my cross to bear. And it actually sort of comes out of more of medieval Christianity, where if you were suffering or sick, then it was because God regarded you as more holy and therefore that you could endure it. 
thus they said to seek remedy from sickness or suffering was to counteract the will of God and was thus a sin. And that's a very false view. But sin does have an impact, certainly, um, on us receiving healing. And I'm not just talking about one angry moment, but a set and retained disposition that has become ingrained in our lives. So, for instance, it's interesting in the Gospels that Jesus will deal with the man who is let down through the roof, but he will deal with his issue of sin and forgive him before dealing with his issue of healing him. And of course, it's interesting that James' letter, where we're talked about, you know, calling the elders of the church, it also deals with let us also confess our sins appropriately to one another. Sometimes it's to do with not praying specifically, particularly in relation to areas of the heart, the, the inner life, the emotions, inner healing, not getting to the root of the issue. Sometimes it can be, a, if you like, a faulty diagnosis. Sometimes we are praying for physical healing when actually what's really needed is inner healing, healing of the emotions. Or we can be praying for deliverance when inner healing is really needed. And, and we've had that in Acorn, people who've come who've thought that they had a demon, but actually what they had was a, a, a broken heart and broken emotions and a damaged inner life. Of course, the reverse is true, where we can start praying for inner healing when actually deliverance is needed. Uh, broken relationships can also affect our ability to receive healing. Uh, a refusal, for example, to forgive where we need to can impact our ability to receive from God. Uh, the refusal to see medicine as one of the ways that God works. In fact, in Acorn, we see there is no opposition between miracle and medicine. God is at work in both. And in some uh, Pentecostal streams, there was the, the wrong belief that it was a sin to take medicine because, in a sense, you weren't trusting God. My friend, uh, Dr. David, he says we make two mistakes in relation to uh, healing and the medical profession. One is that we put too much faith in the medical profession. And the other is that we put no faith in the medical profession. And Acorn believes that both of those things are God at work for us. Another one might be that we don't use and respect the natural means for preserving health, that we neglect body and mind, not enough sleep. Um, smoking is probably not a good thing uh, for you and things that we do to our bodies that don't promote health that work against us. Uh, one of the others uh, might be that what, what you could probably call is about timing, that this might not be the right moment for the person right now. It's in interesting in the story of the man at the beautiful gate when Peter and John uh, go and heal him. Uh, people have said, well, you know, Jesus obviously walked by that gate lots of times and didn't heal him. So obviously healing isn't for everybody. But actually consider this. Maybe it wasn't the man's time. Maybe he wasn't ready at that moment. And those of us who are involved in the healing ministry, we're aware that actually sometimes as we're praying, we're saying, God, is this the right moment for the person? Are they in the right place in heart and life and body, as well as us being in the right place in heart and mind? 
one of the others some have suggested is that God wants to do it differently. He wants to use a different person as the instrument of healing, something that's more appropriate for the purpose that God has intended. And uh, I remember uh, being in uh, Norway and was asked to pray for um, a young lady. And just as I was about to pray, God nudged me and said, oh, no, get her two friends to pray for her. And so I just laid my hands on the two friends and prayed for them that they might be able to pray for uh, this uh, young friend. I was distracted for a moment and uh, turned around just to talk to somebody else and saw that not only had they prayed for her, but that she was healed. And there was a very clear demonstration that she was healed. God wanted to use somebody else. One of the other questions is that the spiritual environment might prevent healing taking place. Uh, in the gospel stories, God uh, records the moment when Jesus um, clears away the mourners and he or he removes somebody from out of the village. And in fact, in that story with the healing of the blind man, he not only takes him out of the village, but he sends him home with a very specific warning to say, don't go back into the village. And we're invited to say, why? What was going on there? And so sometimes the, the, the social environment, there's too much emotion in the room. It, it's not faith, but there's a sense of anxiety and that doesn't help you as the person praying. And it doesn't help the person who's being prayed for, because in that heightened sense, uh, emotions can get stirred and cloud people's ability to focus on Jesus and to receive healing. But also there's an element which is true, of course, that the spiritual environment can prevent healing taking place. In the book of Daniel, we um, read that there were spiritual forces that opposed the coming of the messenger from heaven to Daniel to tell him that his prayer had been answered. And it's that interesting um, debate, isn't there, that as we um, as we carry on in this world, we're, we're living in two worlds. We're living in a natural world and we're living in a supernatural world, a spiritual world. And those two things are working together at the same time that we're in a lifelong battle between God and Satan and that the battleground they fight over and upon is us. And so we're in the midst of this constant battle. And, and in that context, there are spiritual agents working on earth and around us who oppose God and then oppose us also. Hence, of course, the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven is not just a little bit of liturgy, but it is a statement of the of the intent of heaven to break through on the earth where the will of God isn't currently being done. But another one is I just don't know. I don't know why some people are healed and healing occurs and then sometimes it doesn't. Even with people who have very similar circumstances, I just don't know. One of the things I've decided is that I'm not going to give up even though I just don't know. One of the things we deal with is that very challenging issue of selectivity. We often, in, not in the place of choosing how it works out, 
In fact, it's my friend, uh, Ken McGreevy, who's now with the Lord, who says that whereas in the healing ministry, you have to commit yourself to obedience, not success. If I say I'm only ever going to play, pray if I'm 100% certain 100% of the time that this is going to work out 100% of the way that I think it would, then in truth, I'm never going to pray for anybody because we need to be committed to obedience, not success, even though success is great when it comes. So let me take us back to the very first question. You know, we ask this not because of often intellectual reasons, but because of emotional reasons. And so can I just say that if this has happened to you, if you've been prayed for and it hasn't worked yet, then can I say to you, don't give up. And don't give up on the fact that you are thoroughly loved by God. Keep your heart alive to the fact that you are the object of God's great love and keep praying and keep asking. The second is that if this has happened through you, if you've prayed for someone and it's not happened, then don't give up. Commit it to God. He alone can safely carry our mysteries and our disappointments. But get ready to pray for the next person because there's always going to be the next person who's come. So thank you for being with us today. And before we leave, let me just pray. Father, thank you that through the things that we understand and the things that we don't, you still have your hand upon us. And I pray today that for all of us who've prayed for others and not seen everybody healed, and for those who are of us who have been prayed for and it hasn't yet happened, thank you that you are present with us now. And so, Holy Spirit, I say, would you release your healing grace to us? Father, thank you for your healing power. Let it be released to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Coffee Pods today. We appreciate you giving us the time. If you've got any comments or questions, then please do let us have them at info at acornchristian.org. And we look forward to meeting you again.